If you have a Bible, you can open to Matthew 13. We'll look at verses 1 through 23 this morning. It's a long text. It's printed there also in the bulletin if you need that there. Matthew 13, 1 to 23. Um, At this point in Matthew's account of the good news of Jesus and his kingdom, Jesus has uh, just been in an open argument, uh, public argument with the scribes and Pharisees. They're the exclusive self-righteous religious leaders of the Jewish people. And uh, they had condemned themselves by setting themselves against Jesus. And now he's turning away from them to the crowds, uh, leaving the house where the argument took place, uh, getting some fresh air outdoors by the Sea of Galilee, where he starts teaching sort of the rabble and the riffraff now uh, in parables. So his parables, which you have several of them here in Matthew 13, uh, his parables are sort of a veiled revelation. That's a bit of an oxymoron, veiled revelation. Uh, uh, Dark sayings, they're called that in the scriptures. They're ways of teaching that uh, might seem opaque and difficult to understand, but that also shed light on the kingdom of God to those who faithfully wrestle with them. So we're going to look at his first parable, which Jesus uh, himself calls the parable of the sower. And this is something of a controlling parable. It's one that sets the tone for the rest. It's one that governs our uh, understanding of how we hear his teachings. So here's, you know, it's a big passage. Um, It's a long section. It really all goes together. But here is the super basic outline of what we're going to read to help you sort of track with it as we read. The first paragraph is the parable. The last paragraph is Jesus' own interpretation of the parable. And then sandwiched in between, he tells us why he's teaching in parables. So that's what we'll look at this morning. Uh, Let me pray, then we'll read the scripture. Father, we want to know what you have to say to us. We want to understand and live by the words of your son. So we pray that you would help us now to do that by your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. 
This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty and in another thirty. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise be to you, O Christ. So in the gospels, we find dozens of parables taught by Jesus. uh, And it's pretty common for people in the church really to enjoy them, uh, to enjoy a sermon series on the parables. Uh, Some of his parables, you know, uh, could be classified as narrative storytelling, which is something that's really attractive to us. Uh, Some of them are no more than really a short sentence making a simple analogy. Uh, They could be vivid illustrations, powerful teaching tools, and after so many centuries, uh, we're still mining the rich depths of them, discovering new facets of these gems of Jesus' teaching, new layers of meaning. Still, uh, his parables can express truth in ways that straightforward uh, sort of propositional statements sometimes cannot. Uh, His parables can express truth in ways that sort of bypass and subvert our defenses, uh, in ways that engage the imagination and awaken hearts to new realities. So his parables are, um, are works of art. They're works of art crafted in the medium of words. And we love them because we learn such wonderful things from them about Jesus and about the kingdom of God. But not everyone loves them. Not everyone understands what Jesus is teaching in his parables. It's kind of like when you look at a piece of artwork from some ancient master that's hanging in a beautiful museum and, and you scratch your head and you're wondering about the significance of it and you say, yeah, I mean, it's pretty, but it's just another painting of flowers on a table. <laughs> like, I don't see what's the big deal about it. Uh, you don't see something special in it until you're given some direction until someone uh, who really knows something about art, about that piece in particular, helps you and opens your eyes to see what's really going on in that painting. And so you slow down, you pay attention and and uh, things start to come into focus. You see the colors and the angles and the perspective and the things that are there to see. 
With Jesus and his parables, and in fact, really all of his teachings, it's easy to read them or hear them and understand on some basic level, but not really to perceive his kingdom in a life-changing way. You need to go to someone who really knows something about the parables and ask for help to understand and to connect what's going on there. In fact, you need to do just what the disciples did here in this passage and just go to Jesus himself. Just do that. After all, the parables are his sayings, and if anyone can help us to understand them, it would be him uh, through the gift of his Holy Spirit. This is something of an introduction to parables course that that he's giving to his disciples here. So he's out in public, he's teaching the crowds, he's really just starting to use the parable method here in his teaching for the first time uh, significantly. So he tells this parable that has to do with how people hear him, with how people receive his word. He tells of this sower, and for the kids out there, it's not sewing like, you know, clothes with thread, you know, sewing machine type stuff. This is sowing like you take seed and you sow it so that the seed grows, right? Hopefully you picked that up over the course of uh, hearing this. The sower is someone out seeding the field, presumably for a crop of wheat or barley or something. It's called where the, the, the fruit of it uh, is grain. Uh, Jesus gives us the sense that this sower is uh, scattering the seeds somewhat indiscriminately. <laughs> Right? Uh, the sower is not being particularly selective or careful about the soil that his seed is falling on. His seed placement isn't really precise. Uh, he isn't anticipating where the seeds will grow and then confining himself to work in that spot. Uh, it's a bit of an oddity. I think agriculturally, you know, it's, it's worth noting this about the description of the sower. The job could have been done in a much more efficient manner. Uh, And it would be, I mean, farmers here, you're just not sowing uh, seed indiscriminately like this. But this is how this sower rolls. This is how he rolls. So seeds are going everywhere. All the different types of soils have opportunities to do something with the seed. The sower is just doing the faithful work of getting, just getting the seeds out there. Results may vary. So... Seeds bounce off the compacted hard path until birds fly away with those. Seeds uh, in shallow, dry dirt sprout up until the heat of the sun withers them. Seeds in the thicket struggle to grow in competition with the thorns. Seeds in good, rich, prepared soil thrive, and they bear copious amounts of fruit, maybe miraculous amounts of fruit here. Anyone can recognize the basic agricultural facts of this. Mostly familiar to uh, everybody in the world, really. What does it mean? What's the significance? There, there is a deeper meaning here to what Jesus is saying. I mean, it's just a pretty picture of flowers on the table until you get help seeing more in it. And the disciples get this special help from Jesus because of their relationship with Jesus. That's so simple and it's so obvious, maybe you just overlook it. His disciples have a relationship with him because he chose them out of the world and said, follow me, and they did. And now because of this relationship, because he invites them to share his life, now they're in a position to ask him questions. Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them. 
There's something confusing about the way Jesus is teaching, so they ask him about it, and he answers them. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been given. And then, a few verses later, Jesus interprets his parable for his disciples, gives them the meaning, the layers. So it isn't superior intelligence that enables them to understand his parables. If you understand the parables of Jesus, it's not because you're relatively smarter than anyone. It's the gift of Jesus to his disciples. He says, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom. It's because we're in a relationship with the artist who created these parables that he can help us to understand their meaning when we ask him. It's because we actually want to understand kind of what it boils down to because we're willing to learn from Jesus because we'll even wrestle with Jesus until we come to understand that all boils down to just having a relationship with Jesus which is his gift to us so his disciples have been given this gift they hear the words of Jesus and they lean into their relationship with Jesus so they can really know and connect with what he is saying that's a gift that's not given to everyone The seed is scattered without discrimination. Seeds are flying everywhere. The word of the kingdom goes out to all kinds of people, but only some will respond uh, properly to that word, faithfully. That's what Jesus is saying here as he gives his own interpretation of the parable of the sower. The seed is the word that grows and bears fruit in our lives. And the soil is the heart of each person who hears the word. Jesus teaches about four different soils, but they boil down to two kinds of people, really. Those who hear his word, truly understand it and bear fruit, and those who don't. And and he breaks down those who don't into three different categories. That's really helpful for us, because you look at some of these categories, we're prone to think some of these people have responded well to Jesus and his word. And Jesus doesn't want us to have any illusions about that. So here are the possible responses to the teachings of Jesus, according to Jesus. First, some people are just blatantly unreceptive, openly disinterested, sometimes even hostile, right? They hear what Jesus has to say. They say, no thanks, not for me. And Jesus says that a big factor in this type of response in somebody's heart is that the evil one snatches away the seed the evil one is some of the devil is somehow involved in taking the word of God away from us so that we don't understand it and, and reject it. And it would seem that uh, this in particular would be aimed at the scribes and Pharisees, that they belong in this category as those who heard what Jesus said and just rejected it and opposed him. <clears throat> Second, uh, some people are apparently faithful in their response, but it's shallow. It's a shallow response. The, the helpful thing to notice is that uh, these, these people seem to be responding well, at least at first, in superficial ways, but it seems their hearts weren't truly receptive to Christ's word after all. <clears throat> they were only interested, ultimately, we think, for selfish purposes, which this becomes clear in the end. For them, you know, being a Christian means they can get ahead in this world. It makes life easier or better in some sense to be a Christian. Uh, means others will accept them and think well of them. And, but when they encounter 
unexpected difficulties because of being a Christian, because of Christ's word. Uh, ways in which being in relationship with Jesus makes life uncomfortable in this world, then they immediately fall away from the faith. So suffering exposes their faith as untrue, not a real faith. Third, some people are preoccupied, especially with material comforts, right? So, uh, yeah, they're interested in Jesus, among other things, They like Jesus about as much as they like their bank account. About the same use for both. For them, the cares of this world eventually win out over their love for Christ. So it isn't really, it's not necessarily suffering that exposes their faith as untrue. It could be success that's exposing their faith as untrue. So these first three, they show us these ways of responding to Christ and his word. They show us the difficulty of being a disciple when we feel the stress, stresses and pressures and pulls of it's the devil and the world and the flesh. Right? So you cannot respond well to the word of the gospel when you're fully given over to the ways of God's enemy. You cannot respond well to the gospel when your place in the world or your comfort or living the American dream is more important to you than Jesus. Jesus says these are all failures to uh, truly understand and connect with his word. The fourth kind of person, the the only really different kind of person, is the one who hears the word and understands it and bears fruit, Jesus says. So the soil of his heart is receptive and deep and designated for growing, right? It's well-prepared and well-maintained. The word of Christ finds a welcome home in this heart and puts down roots and thrives there and bears fruit. And this is what happens with the disciples of Jesus, with those who are in a real relationship with him, who come to him and wrestle with him to learn from him uh, and who owe that relationship ultimately to his grace. That's the whole point of that center section, really. This is why Jesus talks the way that he does. So that some people will understand, but others won't. He says it's a matter of judgment. That those who don't belong to him, those who are not in a relationship with him, those who oppose him, those who really would rather do life apart from him, they will just not be able to connect with what he's saying on the deepest level or bear the fruit of his word in their lives. And that shouldn't surprise anyone very much. I mean, that... If you want to have nothing to do with God, then why would you want the life and word of God to bear fruit in you? It shouldn't even surprise anyone that this is an aspect of God's judgment. As Jesus says quite clearly, as he quotes from Isaiah 6, things you see throughout the Old Testament scriptures. God sent Isaiah with this message, uh, which Tim read uh, for us in our Old Testament reading. This message prevented rebellious people from understanding it. This was a function of his righteous judgment against them for their rebellion. He's just giving them what they wanted, really. They've already rebelled against him. He's giving them what they wanted. You know, the real surprise, the, the real point of this section is that Jesus says, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. 
And the fact that he says this to his disciples, the fact that he says this to anyone at all is a miraculous work of sheer grace. He doesn't have to open eyes and ears. He doesn't have to make known the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't have to give anyone a heart to receive his word and respond to him with faith. But that's just what he does. So this passage might strike you as, you know, sort of all judgment and condemnation, the fact that Jesus speaks in parables, darkened sayings like this, but what he's really saying, if you get down to the layers, to the bottom of what he's saying, his message is one of grace and mercy. But if you hear the meaning of it, you'll turn and be healed. Right? That's what he says. That's what Isaiah says. That's what Jesus quotes from. You'll turn and be healed if you hear what he's really saying. If you hear what he's really saying, it's a message of mercy. It's a message of forgiveness. It's a message that is meant for the restoration of your relationship with God. You'll turn and be healed if you really hear what he's saying. He's just saying that if you really want to connect with that message, you've got to come to him. And you've got to wrestle with him and ask him what he means. And then, and only then, will you understand his message to be one of grace. His truth comes to us in ways that keep hardened hearts away from him. But that encourage and bless the heart that is inclined to him. His parables, maybe all his teaching, maybe his whole life, maybe his whole kingdom, it can all be considered this veiled Revelation. At Christmas time, when we sing of the incarnation of the Son of God, we sing, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Oh, which is it? Is the Godhead veiled in the flesh of Jesus? Or is the Godhead revealed so you can see it in the flesh of Jesus? Yeah. Veiled to those who are perishing, revealed to those who are given new hearts by God, who come into a relationship with Jesus. Jesus, the word of God, has come into the world, and he demands a response. That reality demands a response. He calls for your response. And the Holy Spirit of God is the one who does the miraculous work of giving us new hearts to respond to Jesus with faith. To respond with a humble willingness to learn from him. So to us is given the gift of understanding and true life and bearing fruit in response to the word incarnate, the word in the flesh. That understanding of who Jesus is, that he truly is the revelation of God. He's the king of heaven himself. That connection to the word, that's accessible to all. That's accessible to any who come to Jesus and just ask to know him. And to know God through him. Jesus speaks in ways that are impossible to probe apart from him. Apart from a life with God in his name. Apart from prayer. Jesus says he speaks in parables. To prevent people from truly perceiving his kingdom. Apart from a relationship with him. He won't let you do it apart from him. The main point here is that such a relationship is open to all. It's available for the asking. Jesus does not withhold the interpretation of his difficult teachings from the disciples 
or from anyone who would be his disciple. The meaning of his teachings is it's for insiders. Insiders get the meaning. Yes, but the invitation is just become an insider. That's open to everybody. The interpretation of the parable is not kept secret. It's right there printed on the page in the Bible. For all to read, part of his conversation with the disciples that you have access to. Again, it's maybe so obvious. You overlook it. He tells the world the interpretation of his parables. For all who would become disciples to come and have access to it. His disciples had access to Jesus, and here so do you. So do you. The key to interpreting Jesus' parables and all his teachings and his whole life is to come into a relationship with him, give him your attention, look to him for help, turn to him for healing, just as the message of his grace calls you to do. Wrestle with Jesus in prayer and ask how you are receiving. Ask him. Don't just ask yourself. Ask him how you are receiving his word. Ask which one of these soils describes your heart. Which one would you like to describe your heart? If, if you want his word to bear fruit in your life, you've got to ask him to prepare and maintain the soil of your heart. And what is that fruit? What is the fruit that the word will bear in your life through a relationship with Jesus? <clears throat> I'm inclined to think Just along the lines of the parable, it's like a sower who planted seeds of wheat or barley. The seed sprouts and grows and becomes a plant that bears grain, which are more seeds. Right? The the fruit is the same as the seed. So if if the word of Christ grows in good soil in your heart, it's going to bear fruit and reproduce itself. The word. The seed. Through you, as you go forth speaking the gospel to others, sowing yet more seeds. So if you would sow seeds like Jesus, the sower, then you probably shouldn't be particularly selective or careful about where you scatter those seeds. Don't withhold seeds from people whose hearts you judge to be hard or rocky soil, uh, just because you anticipate that the word won't find a home there. Don't wait to share the gospel only with someone you think will respond really well. They're showing signs of responding really well. Even Jesus didn't do that. He doesn't call it the parable of the soil types. Uh, He calls it the parable of the sower, ultimately because he, the sower, is the most important part of the picture here. Jesus is the sower who does the faithful work of getting the seeds out there, the one who speaks the true words of God to us, the one who can help us understand those words and bear the good fruit of sharing those same words with others. So if you're going to sow seeds like Jesus, just send those seeds flying everywhere. Yes, results may vary. But we can give all kinds of people the opportunity to respond to the gospel, the opportunity to come into a new relationship with Jesus. That's what his kingdom is like. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we want to be those who hear what Jesus says and who do come to you in repentance for healing. If we are in Christ at all, it is only because of you. So we pray that you would cut through the darkness in our hearts and minds so that we can see the light of your glory in Christ. Tend the soil of our hearts so that your word can bear good fruit in us.
miraculous fruit, abundant fruit. Help us to truly wrestle with you as we encounter your word, every time we encounter your word. Keep our attention on Jesus. Keep him in the forefront of our hearts. Keep us relating to him in every area of our lives. And help us to participate in the sowing of gospel seeds so that others have their chance to respond to Jesus as well. We pray in his name. Amen.